Hello, my name's Paul, and this is Legacy Tales. During lockdown, I've set myself a challenge to interview people and discover their amazing life stories. This month, I'm joined by Pete Hodge, evangelist with OAC Ministries UK. And this is his Legacy Tale. Okay, well, welcome to the Legacy Tales podcast. Uh, my name is Paul. I'm so glad you came to join us again for today. I have a wonderful guest with me, so I'm just going to ask him to introduce himself and tell us a little bit about himself. Okay, my name is Pete Hodge, um, and uh, I'm old. I've been a Christian <laughs> for a number of years. Uh, originate from a place called Plymouth in the southwest in case you're wondering what my accent is but I've lived in Wales for uh, a number of years now but I don't seem to have picked up the accent but I guess <laughs> it's because I don't think I have one but I, I, I evidently do and it's just oh, quite a strong Plymouthian or Cornish accent so there we go. Married, so an adopted uh, Welshman. One wife. I am an adopted Welshman yeah I, I'm a fellow Celt because <laughs> my roots are very much from Cornwall. Uh, I'm married, one wife and uh, three kids, and we've got six grandchildren now, so, which is good. Wonderful. So you be kept busy. <laughs> yeah, they do keep you on your toes, absolutely, <laughs> which is fun. And yeah. what else yeah, do you do, bits. Pete, on a Monday to Saturday? <clears throat> as little as possible now, I suppose, being uh, sort, of, <laughs> sort of, uh, yeah. Uh, well, over the last uh, 40 years, I've been involved in evangelism based here in, in Wales, um, heading up the work for Open Air Campaigners, or was, but that's passed it on to somebody else now. Uh, that's where the connection with Paul has been over the years. But uh, yeah, trying to find ways of communicating the gospel to people that are outside the church, but also to train and equip and enthuse the church to be involved in evangelism as well. So evangelism is my heart, I guess. I'm like a stick of rock. If you cut me open, you just see in the middle evangelism for Jesus. So with the gospel. Brilliant. And of course, we're recording this today. Uh, and today is the one year anniversary of the first lockdown. So I'm just wondering how you coping. So I, uh, very, very frustrated at times. Uh, if I knew it was going to be 12 months of hardly anything being done, because, I mean, we, we cannot get to schools anymore now, apart from on the video thing. Uh, churches and stuff like that there if I knew it was going to be 12 months then maybe I would have sort of said okay well let's maybe study I don't know Hebrew or Greek for the year or something <laughs> but it's been dragging on and dragging on you think it's a couple of initially I thought it was going to go on for a couple of weeks but it's absolutely um, yeah so very frustrated but then every so often I think well other people are in exactly the same boat as you so just grin and bear it so uh, yeah. yeah just hoping that things will get better now, of course, uh, I've asked you to come on the podcast with me today because I want to find out your story because you have a wonderful story uh, to share. So I'm just wondering, Pete, we obviously you've been saying you've been uh, working for 40 years in Wales. But I'm just wondering if you can go yeah. back to perhaps your earliest memory of church or Jesus and what that was and what it was like. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Well, actually, it's an interesting one because 50 years ago, this coming October, an amazing miracle happened to me on the streets of Plymouth. Uh, I was certainly not a Christian, but I'd okay. come out of an evangelistic event. And it just so happened a mate of mine had parked his car behind mine. 
And something happened that evening that radically recoursed my whole life. But if you want to go back to the beginnings, um, for me, <laughs> I, I guess it all began at 3.30 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon on the 11th of June, 1947. It was before the National Health and uh, uh, came. It was my birth. I, I was born at home. Uh, there was a little flat that my mum and dad lived in in Plymouth. And uh, my mum told me that it was a the person who lived downstairs, a lady called Mrs. Oti. Uh, she came up and helped my mum to give birth. Um, and my mum told me many, many years later that when uh, she had given birth to me, she held me up and uh, said, uh, he's yours, Lord, do what you want with him. Um, and she hadn't realised the implications of that. And I didn't no. realise the implications of it either. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, Christian family, mum and dad, they came up from St. Ives for my dad's work. Uh, I had two older brothers and a sister. Uh, and each Sunday, I'd go off to Sunday school with them. They were Christians themselves, and uh, we would go to Sunday school uh, and to church as well. And I guess it formed a foundation, even though I rejected it later. Uh, right. And, I, and I, I would say to anybody else, really, to make sure, as parents, we need to make sure the foundations you are wanting to establish are biblical and right. And if that is the case, don't compromise on them. Uh, mum and dad and all the people around me, they set a foundation in my life without me realising it. But then over the years, uh, peer pressure, uh, I guess it was peer pressure, they, I think they call it now, but at the bottom line is it's my choice. I made the choices. Mm. Uh, and I soon, be, I soon began to live what is called, a I would call a Jacqueline Hyde lifestyle. Right. Uh, but one event that I used to love with the church was the thing called youth camp. Uh, and uh, I was sort of in my... Uh, uh, maybe early teens and uh, went along to this youth camp and it was great. I used to thoroughly enjoy it. And there were some cracking girls there as well. So it was <laughs> uh, without, without going into details and everything else, I have actually, I was eventually banned from it. Um, so yeah, fift at 15, I began an apprenticeship with a gas board uh, and, and uh, I saw another side of the world then because I've been brought up in Christianity, been brought up seeing it, seeing church and everything else. And, and I, <laughs> it used to be quite a funny statement, actually, because they, you would sort of say to people, uh, you know, you need to put a smile on your face. If you, you know, so I used to hear phrases like, uh, if you, if you love the Lord, then notify your face. Um, and some people, <laughs> some Christians, some Christians looked as if they'd been baptized in lemon juice. They were looking so sour. But anyway, um, I looked at that. And then as I started working on the gas board, I saw what was this, the world it okay. looked a lot more exciting uh and uh, the lure was there but again the bible does say that there is pleasure in sin but for a season yeah then came that uh, time that i turned around to my parents uh, i was about 16 and i, I remember making the statement I, must, I guess it must have been one which was horrifying for them to hear uh, and i turned around to them and i said uh, thanks for all the way in which you brought me up and everything else about church and all that um, I don't want to go anymore. I, I want to do my own thing. I go my own way. And it was the 1960s. I got a scooter, uh, became a mod, um, mainly because the, 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 all the pretty girls were mods. So, you know, <laughs> um, but I, I tuned the scooter up. It, it, it was a fast scooter. I mean, they weren't that fast anyway, but it was a fast scooter. Not ones that you pedal, but, you know, it's a motor scooter. So. <laughs> um, plus, I was, I, I, was, I was pretty gobby then. So, uh, because of that, fast scooter and gobby guy, um, I sort of became the leader of the mods there in Plymouth. So 100, wow. 200 of us. Uh, 
so along with that, the 1960s, a whole bunch of stuff went on. And eventually, a silver scooter, uh, met Angie, who later became my wife, and uh, bought a sports car, a, a superb MG Midget. It was a beauty, and so wow. was she. But uh, little do we know, even for myself, but also for Angie as well, little did we know, but God was on our trail. So I, I, I have to say, uh, my lifestyle, uh, in fact, our lifestyle was certainly not Christian. And uh, my mum and dad and family would have been heartbroken if they knew what I was involved in. Um, but it was an interesting one because a person went once up to a sculptor who was hammering away at some rock. And he, this person said to the sculptor, he said, uh, which blow breaks the stone? And the sculptor replied and said, every one. So there mm. were God on the trail. He was out hammering away at certain things. And then uh, many years later, I, I, I living in Plymouth at the time, I went down to see my mum uh, in, in, in Plymouth, popped down to see her for the day. And uh, and we we're chatting away. And I say, I was at this time then, I would have been, a, I was a Christian. Uh, and I remember asking my mum and I said to her, mum, what did you do during that time? Uh, you say, if my mum knew exactly what was going on, she would be absolutely yeah. heartbroken. But what did you do during that time? This is what my mum said. My mum my said, I used to stand there looking at the window. And she said, I would always pray this. Lord, so far and no further. Mm. And she just prayed it over my life. I didn't know it. And then as I'm traveling home in the car, I'm thinking about things. I think she prayed so far and no further. And then uh, just situations. I thought about various situations. I thought, if that went a stage further, I, I wouldn't be here now. Some of the no. stuff, uh, I probably would have died. My, one of the major things, major blows on, against where I was standing was my dad's death. My dad went to was walking to work on a Saturday morning, uh, very, very terrible weather, uh, right. heavy rain and wind, and walked across the main road in front of a car and was knocked down and was killed. Uh, they arrived at the house, uh, the police did, uh, to tell my mum, uh, I went down to the door, uh, please come in. Can we come in? I mean, he's talk to you and your mum. Uh, next door neighbour comes in as well, and uh, and my mum was told about my dad's death. Uh, I wasn't very close to my dad, but I looked at my mum, and I noticed then over the days there was something. No, I it wasn't something. I I had to admit it over the days that I looked at my mum. There was someone that was in her life still that was giving her strength to continue. Now, did she get upset? Of course she did. Man alive. But I've recognized, I, I knew it was God. I, I'd never, never doubted the existence of God, just didn't like no. the rules that he wanted to put in my life. And then there was, a, there was another time. Uh, my mate, Alan Quick, we were best mates. We took our scooters. This is going back now before Christians again. We took our scooters and we went to Jersey. Uh, one night we went out and we had a skin full of, of drink. You know, both of us were pretty drunk. And I'm riding my scooter. And I'm going down this road and I rode off the road in the little scooter and went between, there was like a big sign and I went between the posts underneath the sign on the scooter wow. and carried on through. Um, and I didn't hit it at all. Next day, I went, oh, I said, that's, the, that's where I rode between the two posts. And I took my scooter up to it only to find that my scooter would not fit between the two posts. Wow. So I thought, what? And then there was another time I went out with Alan's car again. We were out in Dartmoor in the snow. We thought we were ace rally drivers and we were belting down this lane. 
He slid on the road, went, we went up over a bank and we slid into a gully and the car, if you can imagine, the car is on its side and it's sliding along in this gully. And up ahead, there's a big metal post sticking out of the ground and it's at head height. And I looked at this wow. metal post coming, we're sliding towards, we couldn't stop at all. And it would have cut the head off, simple as that. And we stopped about a foot in front of the metal post. And wow. so all those things, I'm thinking about all these things so far and mm. so far, I think, so God's far. doing something here. And, yeah. and, and as you say, there would have been other situations that uh, certainly I would not, uh, wouldn't want to go into details. Put it this no. way, they happened in the 1960s. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so that's, that's the lifestyle that was going on then. But then Angie, she wanted us to, she turned around when we were sort of, I was going over there quite seriously. And she said she wanted to go to church. Uh, the summer had been over, so I got I had my sports car then. Summer had been over. Um, we went to various churches through in, in the winter time, and then went along to one that we met a young couple of uh, Mike and Helen Nelson. He used to work for Frey Bento's Pies, and they used to invite us to their house in the week, and, and he used to give us free pies, which is really nice. So <laughs> the way to do evangelism is that way. Um, so was that the there appeal? were lots and lots of things that were. But then was that the appeal was of that, that church? Absolutely, yeah. Come to Jesus and you'll get a free pie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> free Bento's pie. <laughs> but then one one day, so the interesting thing is, it was I I lived at that time very much a Jekyll and Hyde lifestyle. Um, mm. My language was absolutely foul, but at home I never swore. Um, my language, things that I would have done outside, I certainly would not have done at home. Um, so there was very much, and I could turn it on and off like a tap. So going to the church, I could talk the language because I was brought up with it. So everybody thought I was a wonderful guy, but in actual fact, my lifestyle stunk. Uh, Angie and myself, we chatted about Christian things, and I knew what the gospel was. I knew that Jesus had come and died on the cross for our sins, and that we needed a better faith and trust. I knew all that. I was brought up with all that. So we're on Plymouth Hoe. Plymouth Hoe is this, it's right. It's, there's an area you could park your car and look out over the over the water. It was dark one night. And Jim said, we took a bit of our courting up there. So we would sit in the car, chatting about, listening to the radio. I think it was a radio we put on was Radio Luxembourg. I don't even know if it exists anymore. Yeah, but anyway, okay. that was the yeah. program to listen to. So that was on the radio. <clears throat> and uh, as we're looking out to sea, an incredibly a dark night, an incredibly bright light shines down onto the water. I see it. Angie sees it. People walking by didn't seem to take any notice of it. We thought, what on earth is that? It wasn't just, it was an incredibly bright light shining down wow. from the from the sky down onto the sea. And and I, 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 part of my upbringing, I, the Bible would have been taught, certainly taught that uh, uh, Jesus was going to come back again. And I thought, man alive, Jesus has come back. And uh, and so I, t I turned the radio on because we turned it off. I turned the radio on again to see if there was a news flash and see that thousands of Christians had been taken. I thought the Lord had returned and I knew I'd been left behind. Yeah. We drive down the road and uh, and I challenge Angie about it. But the only way we're going to know that we're going to get to heaven is by putting our faith and trust in Jesus. Um, a few weeks. So Angie then became a Christian. I because was of instrumental you. in Angie. Angie was I was instrumental in Angie becoming a Christian and I wasn't a Christian <laughs> which is wow it's, 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 listen it's called, it's called God yeah <laughs> when when God wants to do it and he will if he if he used an old donkey in the old testament he'll certainly use a donkey down in Plymouth as well called <laughs> Pete Hodge so a, a few weeks later 
I attended attended an evangelistic event, or both of us did, in, in, in Plymouth. And uh, I finished the evangelistic event, we'd come out, and I, I hadn't made any, uh, any commitment to Christ or anything. But a friend of mine, Bob, he was sat in his car behind me. I remember going up to Bob, and uh, this was October 1971, coming up to the 50 years now, uh, this year. And, uh, and I said to Bob, I said, Bob, give your life to Jesus. You know it's the only way to find real peace. I could turn it on and off like a tap. I could talk the <laughs> language. I, I talk the talk and walk the walk, put it that yeah. way. And, and, and I remember that, and I can, every time I tell it, I can see the scene there now. He looked out of his car and he said to me, how can you tell me to find real peace, Pete, when you haven't got it yourself? I turned to walk from his car. My car was just in front of his. And as I walked from there, to his, from his car to mine, I remember it's as if all the plastic facade of Pete Hodge fell off and I was mm. who I was. And I realized that God knew who I was. And I remember pointing to the sky and I'm not sure whether I said it out loud or whether I said it in my head, but I certainly said it. And um, mm. God, if you're really up there and you really did send Jesus to die on a cross for me, I'm willing to give you 100% of my life if you prove yourself to me. Now, maybe that's not the way you speak, speak, to, speak to God, but at the end of the day, he doesn't listen to what we say from here, or he listens to what we say from here. And yeah. I meant it. And I got in my car, I had a packet of fags, sorry, pack of cigarettes in the dashboard. And I remember getting them and throwing them out the window and sort of saying, you know, I don't need those anymore. Sure. What happened? Did I feel any difference? Oh, yes. Did I feel indifferent? Man alive. It was like a spring had bubbled up of fresh, clean water, had bubbled up on the inside of me and just washed away all the filth. That's the only way I can explain it. it of course, that couldn't have happened because I would have drowned. But it's the only, <laughs> it was as if all the filth yeah. would washed away because realising that Jesus had done it on the cross. So uh, my life changed. Um, that's, the facade fell off and a new life began. And uh, that's basically where I came from and how I became a Christian. That's amazing. To to think that particularly you were so vocal even before you truly gave your life to Jesus. I know. To challenge other yeah. people to do yeah. so. And it still amazes me that, as you say, you asked to prove, you know, I am willing to give 100% yeah. commitment to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and you yeah. saw that happen. The, the, the packet of fags. Yeah. The, well, the packet of fags that I threw at the window um i had other packets of fags in the car or me pockets anyway yeah. so or cigarettes you'll say uh, packet of cigarettes. so i i carried on smoking i didn't want to carry on smoking no and angie was carried on smoking after she'd been a christian as well neither of us wanted to carry on smoking so i can remember praying about it and i remember again praying and saying god would you please help me or stop me from smoking and again it was like an audible voice in my head which said this mm. it said if you stop smoking, if you determine to not smoke again, I will give you the strength never to smoke again. Hmm. I never smoked since. Really? So it's sometimes we can bid the option out, but it's only when we, it's basically, if we get out of the boat, we'll find that it works. Yeah. So it's fine to have all the terms, but it's yeah. stepping, I guess it's stepping out faith and think right i believe you'll do it right so it was yeah. you know uh if you're up there and you like well, and i never doubted his existence I, of course he stepped in because he was yes for me anyway you know yeah but as you said there's yeah. a clear difference between knowing there is a god yeah. and believing yeah. and yeah. that's clearly I think true in your testimony 
Yeah, it's the eighteen-inch drop, isn't it? From the from the head to the heart. Yeah. Well, maybe longer. And <laughs> and I'm just wondering, you know, perhaps somebody's listening to this right now, and that is exactly their story. They are, as you described, Jekyll and Hyde. They have this facade. Yeah. Then I really do pray that if you're listening to this right now, then just get rid of the facade. You may know all the answers. Yeah. yeah. Just like Pete did. Yeah. Why not today make that decision in your heart? and commit your life to this Jesus. Because clearly for Pete, it made a dramatic difference. Uh, life wasn't the same again. But I wonder, Pete, if you could take us on in your journey, because obviously we know you you leave Plymouth at some point and you come to Wales. So, And you're already quite vocal yeah, in right. telling people the gospel. So what brings you then to Wales? Right, well, I... We got married in 72, which is the, just the, uh, a few months after this. Uh, July 72, got married. Uh, and then um, both of us felt very, very unsettled in our work. I was thoroughly enjoying my job, as Angie was. She worked in a shoe shop. Um, but we just felt unsettled. And there was this niggling feeling, we, which, uh, uh, cut a long story short, uh, in 1974, uh, we, we left Plymouth. I went off to Bible College in London for two years. Uh, I came out of Bible college and then for five years I was involved in the pastoral ministry, heading with church situation. But all, during that time, there was this growing call to evangelism. Uh, I just had this desire to want to reach people outside with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus. He's radically changed my life and he can do it mm. to anybody's life if they put their trust in him. I wanted to get that message over. So uh, in 80, 1981, uh, I joined Open Air Campaigners, who I'm with now, and uh, as an evangelist, and I began the work for evangelism based here in Wales. Uh, I was based here, but I sort of, I think it was Wesley that said, the world's my parish. So I, I went a lot of places <laughs> preaching and everything else. But that's uh, basically where it comes. But uh, I, th I think the, the, the thing is as well with it, with, with, with salvation, it's, I think there's a guy called Warren Wearsby said this. He says, salvation is not a theory to, to be discussed it's a miracle to experience. Mm. And, and it is, it's, you know, we can talk until the blimmin' cows come home at the end of the yeah. day, but at the end of the day, it's totally waste of blinking time. Uh, you know, it, it, he's, he's either who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do, or he's a liar and he ain't a liar. So, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not just a theory to be discussed, but it's a miracle to experience. So you've worked in uh, Wales and all, all over for the last yeah. 40 years or so. Yeah. You've worked in school situations. Yeah. You, you know, you've met, you know, you've met people who are now rugby players and I, I know you've met uh, famous people along the way, but I wonder what difference has it made having Jesus in your life? It may sound like an obvious answer, but I'm just wondering for you over those 40 years, seeing teachers and staff and so many people change, what's it for you personally, What's the difference having Jesus in your life? I think it's uh, it's reality. Um, Jesus said, "I come that you might have life and have it to the full, uh, or to the max." Um, and I, I guess it's. I, I remember being in a high school in uh, in one of the high schools in Cardiff. I'd done the assembly. One of the teachers interviewed me afterwards. Uh, I was, it was a sixth form assembly, and uh, and he said to me, "He said you've been doing this for years." He said, "He said, but." The vast majority of people reject it, uh, and I've got no time for Christianity. So why do you continue? And I said, because I believe there's a better way. And I, and I, I, I guess I would say, regardless of what I feel or what society says, 
my identity is in whose I am and not in what I do or are. Mm. And it's not who I am, it's whose I am. And I am, I've been adopted into God's family through mm. what Jesus has done on the cross. Uh, and that gives me identity. It gives me worth. Uh, it also makes me realize that if he's that concerned about me, he's going to take care of my future as well. So heaven is, is guaranteed as well. I think it's a friend of mine, person that you know well, would say uh, to heaven is not, a, not an award. It's, it's, a, it's a gift. We don't earn it. It's given to us. And uh, so, yeah, so regardless of what I feel or society says, my identity is whose I am uh, and, and I am his child. Uh, and that gives goodly worth and that gives me something to and that also says that god wants others to be adopted into his family if they put their trust in him yeah amazing pete i wonder just before we wrap this up i wonder um one day yeah. there's going to be a, a sad day particularly in wales we're going to get the news that uh, pete hodge has gone to glory and i just wonder what would you like your legacy to be i know you've got you said you've got children and you've got grandchildren now as well what would you like that next generation to remember about you? Crumbs. I guess there's a whole bunch of things, really. But uh, um, I, I just hope that I, I, I believe that Christianity is contagious. Uh, and I sadly, I caught some religion when I was a kid. Uh, and that also is contagious and it was boring and horrible and it just turned me off everything that's real. So I believe that uh, Christianity is contagious. So I, I suppose what I would hope and desire is that uh, um, I have. Jesus, uh, not just in what I've said, but in also who I am. Um, I think one of the uh, biggest challenges and, I, and it's an important thing. Starting is important. Uh, I do a lot of mountain biking and uh, I know that if I'm ever in a mountain bike race where I've been over the years, starting off is well, but at the end of the day, it's finishing. Finishing is the most important. And it's the same as with, with our lives as Christians. It's, it's good to start well, but my hope and desire for me is that I will finish well, but that, that legacy is that I have enthused others to follow Jesus en route. Hmm. And I think that that would be very true. The man who clearly God had something planted in your life from the very beginning, um, going so far, but not too far. The man who then comes to Christ, who commits his life to him, is now the one who starts well. And we really do pray for you, Pete, that you will finish well as well, that there'll be a seed planted into the, the next generation of those who are, perhaps they are on their scooters right now, perhaps they are living their life completely opposite to what you would like them to do. Yeah. But let's pray that there are more mm. Pete Hodges out there. Not more Pete Hodges, but more people like you who decide to put their faith, <laughs> <laughs> who decide to put yeah, their faith yeah. um, and trust in Jesus. Pete, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the yeah. podcast, mate. I really do appreciate your time. I know you've been uh, busy today with Zoom conferences already, so I do appreciate you taking the time out to be with me today. Yeah. Bless That's you, mate. Cheers, Paul. Fantastic. I just want to thank Pete for taking time out of his busy schedule to come and join me on the podcast. Amazingly, five years ago, Pete joined me for what would be the pilot for this podcast, which perhaps one day we'll dust down and bring out again. But I just want to thank him 
once again for taking time out to share his amazing life story with us. If you'd like to talk more about the Christian faith and how you can become a Christian, then please do get in touch with me on the podcast via social media or by email at paul.davis at countiesuk.org. Thank you so much for listening. Please like and share this podcast with those around you and subscribe so you don't miss another one. My name's Paul. This has been Legacy Tales. And I'll see you next time for another Legacy Tale.